Hello, Jose Zayas here, and yeah, we mourn, right? With the rest of the country, we mourn because when we think of the lives uh, of George Floyd, when we think of Ahmad Aubrey, when we think of Breonna Taylor and the others that we are seeing in the headlines, which only represent, let's remind ourselves, only represent a few of the cases of injustice and evil and hurt and pain, and most will never be recorded, most won't get a headline or a hashtag, uh, but we mourn over that and we think about how the world's so quickly changing. We're in the middle of a global pandemic and now a national alert over uh, people's pain and suffering. And what do we do in times like this? I think it's no accident we happen to be in Jesus's teaching that's called the Sermon on the Mount. We're looking at the way of Jesus and I want us to think about uh, systemic change. How do you see real revolutionary change? Now we're not gonna agree all of us are not going to agree on what it's going to take to make a difference. We're all going to have our opinion and many are just going to express it. But we need to remember there are certain things that we can and we should agree upon. Last week, we looked at a text that said, Jesus said, do not murder. And so there is nothing wrong. As a matter of fact, it is right to call out what is. Murder is wrong. And when anyone commits murder for any reason, we need to call it a sin and we need to ask for God's mercy and justice. And we need to agree that racism is wrong. And again, everyone's gonna have their opinion about what is racism and what is not. And you have yours and I have mine, but let's just admit it. Racism is wrong, let's call it what it is. When people act uh, out of the color of someone's skin and act differently towards them and act harmful towards them, whether they hold back things that they deserve or they hurt or harm, we just need to call it wrong and sinful. And we also need to step up and say that revenge is sinful. And so responding with an eye for an eye, uh, we'll see that in Jesus' teaching, responding with more hate and with more evil, that's wrong as well. And so we, we stop and we mourn and we pray and we ask for God to bring healing, not just to our own personal lives and to our city, but even to our nation and and into our world. Okay, so, so how do we move forward? I want us to think about that, knowing and admitting of what's wrong we call wrong, what sin we call sin. How do we move forward? Now I wanna to speak to our church community. So if you're watching and you're a visitor or just checking it in or someone forwarded this, you know, maybe not all of this is for you, but I wanna think about the people who call 26 West Church their home and their family. I wanna speak out of love. We wanna continue the conversation from last week about an extension of murder, which Jesus said, anger, you know, we know murder is wrong. We know, we agree. And Jesus affirms that. But what about anger? What about other issues that don't seem so big? And maybe for you, racism doesn't seem as big of a deal as it does to other people. What do we do about that? Uh, can I just say to us, we, as God's people, we turn to Jesus first. So we're gonna look again at the same text as we did last week. Today, we wanna to look at the heart of forgiveness. Next week, we wanna look at the extension of forgiveness. Forgiveness is the first part, but that's not where Jesus ends. Jesus ends with saying, be reconciled. But we, what we wanna do is we don't wanna make assumptions. We wanna to come to Jesus first. We don't wanna act out of our impulses or maybe act out of what we think is the right thing to do. We wanna check ourselves as Jesus's people. Remember, first, my identity is I belong to him. I am a child of God before I am Jose Zayas, a Puerto Rican, born and raised in New York, now living in Oregon. 
So I'm more than just my heritage. I am a, I'm a child of God. More than I'm an American, I'm a child of God. And so no matter what we feel or what we think, can I just suggest to you, it is our responsibility to submit those things to the leadership of Jesus and to allow Jesus to define how we respond. No matter how I think, no matter how I feel, I wanna to come to Jesus and allow him to, to reorient my grid of how I'm gonna respond and how I'm gonna live. This is what it means to be the family of God. And I think as you and I do this, side note before we read the text, well, people might be wondering outside of the church or outside of the good news, outside of following Jesus, they might be wondering what does it look like, right? What does it mean to be a part of this church? I think now is a great time as we submit our lives to Jesus to represent to the world what it means when we follow him. All right, let's read the same thing that we looked at uh, last week. It was Matthew chapter five and verse 21. Let's just read it again together. You have heard that it was said to the people long ago, you shall not murder, and that anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who's angry with a brother or a sister will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to brother or sister, Raka, is answerable to the court. And anyone who says, you fool, will be in danger of the fire of hell. And then remember, Jesus gave us two examples of how to move forward. Therefore, if you're offering your guilt at the altar and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First, go and be reconciled to them and then come and offer your gift. Settle matters quickly with your adversary who's taking you to court. Do it while you're still together on the way or your adversary may hand you over to the judge and the judge may hand you over to the officer and you may be thrown into prison. And truly I tell you, you will not get out until you have paid the last penny. Again, we looked, if you missed last week, it would be very helpful because today's an extension of this. Jesus says that murders is wrong. And he also says, watch out, because if we're not careful, we'll respond, we'll hold on to, we'll act out of anger. And there's judgment for that as well. So Jesus, who's the one who defines the law for us, he came to fulfill it, which means he came to complete it. And he came to give us the full meaning. So when it comes to acts of revenge and murder, of course that's wrong. But Jesus says, there are also matters of the heart. And today we want to think through, Jesus says two things that are going to define and drive how you respond. Notice what he says. He says, first go and be reconciled to the person. And then he says in verse 25, settle matters quickly. In other words, it's our responsibility to take the first step. And that's what we really focused on last week. When we are hurt, when we get angry, it's our responsibility as Jesus' people to, to take the initiative. We, we are the ones humbly to come before God and say, help me, God, to do what is right, uh, which means we don't avoid conflict. We don't ignore it. We don't stuff it. Uh, we don't make excuses for it, although actually we do all those things in practice but we're learning the way of Jesus so we can live the life of Jesus, aren't we? And so God's goal for us is to grow us 
in and not stuffing. Some of us are avoiders. Some of us are stuffers. We just put it down. Others are excuse makers. And no matter what your natural tendency is, if you want to grow in maturity to Jesus, we're going to learn together. We're going to help one another, right? We're not going to do this alone, but we're going to learn to deal with anger and deal with frustration and pain and heartache and allow Jesus to come and bring healing and then allow ourselves to be agents of healing. So we take action. That's our responsibility. Now, Jesus mentions or alludes to two. Uh, one, directly here, reconcile yourself with the other person. Settle matters quickly. I'm going to put under the umbrella of what we're going to see later in Matthew 6, which I'll quote later in this message, of, of dealing with forgiveness, responding with forgiveness, forgiveness and reconciliation. How do we how do we know what God has to say when it comes to matters of hurt and matters of the heart and our responses as followers, right? How do we know? Well, we want the Bible to inform our thinking. And this is where we need to be careful. All, all of us come from an angle. We, we come from a background. We were born into a family. We were born in an environment. We grew, we've been educated with all sorts of mindsets and philosophies. And so as a church, we're not going to agree on lots of things because, you know, your experience is different than mine. And I grew up in a huge city and I grew up as an ethnic minority. And if that's not your story, if you grew up in rural Oregon and you're white, our backgrounds are going to be very different. So naturally, when I come to any event, it, it makes sense that I'm going to come to that event with my preconceptions, my understandings that come from my experience. Again, this is just humanity 101, right? None of this is new. But as Jesus followers, what we're hoping to do, and I'm hoping the series will do, is we'll reorient the way we think in light of the heart of God. And I know the heart of God. And I know God's thoughts. Why? Because I am reading my Bible. And so we come to the Bible, help me Jesus Father, we come to the Bible to find out if our values, our assumptions, our responses are in line with God's heart. And whenever I look at the Bible and then I look at my own action or attitude, the Jesus Father is to come and bring my allegiance. Remember Jesus called people to discipleship that he is the king and we are his servants. And to live under the kingdom is to live under God's good rule. And God's good rule is where we learn from him and then we change. We ask God to enable us to change our behavior so we come under the alignment of God's heart. And what do we know? I'm just going to give us a little what we call biblical theology, a little bit of an overview of what the Bible has to say. I can't do all of it. That this could each uh, forgiveness and reconciliation both could be a 16-week series. We're not going to do that, but I want to do like a little bit of a sweeping overview of what the Bible has to say about forgiveness, and then next week we'll pull on that and talk about uh, reconciliation. But let me give a distinction. Forgiveness is about what we do with the event. Uh, you have been hurt or you hurt someone. What do we do about that hurt? Uh, what do I do as the guilty person or do I, what do I do as the person who has been harmed? Well, the response is forgiveness. I'm going to look at that. Reconciliation deals with what I do. What do I do with the relationship? So I have to, I have to deal with the event. Someone has hurt me. Now what? But then I also need to deal with the person. 
How do I move forward with that person in the future? Can we continue to have a relationship? What does that relationship look like? What kind of boundaries? And what do I do if that person's no longer living or here? What do I do if that person doesn't care? All of that about relationships will be next week. But let's just start. Uh, they're not the same thing, but they partner together. We need to think about both. One book I want to recommend, and I'm careful I'm recommending books because there's so many good ones out there, but I found one, this one to be super helpful. It's called Forgiving and Reconciling Bridges to Wholeness and Hope uh, by a gentleman named Everett uh, Worthington. Let me repeat it again. Forgiveness and Reconciling Bridges to Wholeness and Hope. I'm sure our team's going to put the link somewhere so that you can find it by a gentleman named Everett Worthington. He's a clinical psychologist and he is an actual expert in research on forgiveness and what that looks in different cultures and how we walk through it and steps to engage in it. And he happens to be a Christian. And so he wrote this book, although he's written many other books just for you know, psychology and research, but he wrote this book with a Christian perspective to help us as God's people, as the church, to take steps towards forgiving and then restoring relationships. But uh, if you do read the book, know this, he's not just writing, he's a deep researcher, he's retired now, uh, taught at a, a mainstream university, but he, he also, his mother was brutally murdered um, after he had done a bulk of his research and writing. So in the book, he talks about it from a biblical perspective, from how we do this in terms of, you know, human behavior and what walls we have to step over to engage in forgiveness. And then he writes as a, as a human who, who has suffered deeply and has walked the other side, forgiving the perpetrator and living a healthy and a whole life. So I do recommend four things though I want us to see, all right? Four things as brothers and sisters, these are not everything. And these are a ridiculously simple because I think we need a grid to begin. And then by God's grace, we can build on this together. Four things I want us to see about forgiveness, write them down. Number one, when we think of the Bible and we look at forgiveness, we need to remember that forgiveness begins with God. <laughs> this may seem too elementary, but it's actually not. When we're gonna engage in ongoing forgiveness with other people, forgiving ourselves, forgiving others, and helping others to walk in a pattern of not lashing out with anger, but seeing people restored and whole, we need to remember uh, as humans, we jump immediately to the pain, to the person, to the next steps, especially if you're pragmatic like I am, like I've got 10 steps for everything. I wanna, I want action, I don't want theory, I want, I'm a pragmatist, I wanna see it, I wanna see it resolved. But as Christians, we need to remember forgiveness doesn't begin with us. Now that should be very liberating because if forgiveness begins with God, then in, in my relationship with God, I can step into areas of wholeness and I can learn to forgive because this doesn't begin with me. The Christian response to pain and hurt and conflict is not figure it out or grow up. Actually, our message is more powerful. It is come and you're invited to come to God who's the author of forgiveness. Now, where do I get this? I get it from the Bible. 
When we look at Genesis, and I think most of what we see in all the Bible goes back to Genesis 1, 2, 3, and 4. It's, it's amazing how the first four chapters of the Bible drive the direction of it. God makes everyone, he makes humans in his image, they're good. He gives us relationship, Adam and Eve, and he gives us purpose, a garden to work and to follow his leading and, and work with him together and partner to see the world grow and become more beautiful. Why? We're created in the image of God, and so we can follow God's leading, and this is a beautiful world. Well, that is until Adam and Eve, they sin. And remember, they disobey God, and that's where sin begins. Some of us are looking to, how do I figure out the conflict, me and you, or me and my neighbor, or these two friends? But actually, every sin is an offense to God. We see that right in the beginning. When Adam and Eve sin, they hurt God and they're responsible, not just to the pain that they've caused each other, but they're actually responsible to God. And when we, re when we remember that, we remember that God is the author of forgiveness because he does not have to. He told them if they disobey and ate from the tree, they're, they're going to die. But uh, he extends forgiveness. Remember in Genesis 3, they're naked and ashamed. And the Bible says that, that God provided clothing. He, an animal skin is, is taken. There's a bit of a sacrifice there. And, and God clothes Adam and Eve. So God is filled with love and mercy. The first response that we see from God is love and mercy to cover their shame and to protect them from further harm. But notice, God is also a God of justice. And if you read Genesis 3, you're gonna see that what happens. They're separated from God. They were intimately close, but now they're removed from the garden. There's a repercussion, there's a result. Sin has an effect. Uh, work is gonna become hard. Uh, child labor, family is gonna become hard. It's gonna become difficult. And, and God's true to his word, they die. Uh, Originally, the implication is that men and women would live forever with God. And death is, is a result of sin. And so any sin, person to person, is also a sin against God. And in the end, while we're accountable to one another and we want to bring resolution to conflict, we are ultimately responsible to God. Again, this is not everyone's message, but this is truly the Christian message. And so God is the author and the source of forgiveness and God can show us how to extend forgiveness. And so what we see is all throughout the Bible, if you go, go and fast forward and you look at the major words about forgiveness in the Old Testament, I did the study in a sense for you. And there are four major words, I'm not gonna bother pronouncing them in Hebrew because I'll butcher it. But the four major words that deal with forgiveness in the Old Testament, I just wanna give you the English translations because this gives us a bit of the tone of what we think about when we remember that forgiveness begins with God. In the Old Testament, these are the words. The first word is to take or to wipe or to send away. The picture of forgiveness is a cleaning. It's a removal. The second one is to bear. To forgive is to, to bear they are bearing the guilt and to forgive is to bear the guilt for them, to shoulder the load. Another one is to pardon. We kind of get that from, from court. Pronounced guilty, 
but a judge can, or a person of authority can pardon you. It doesn't mean you're not guilty. It means the effect of your guilt, if you deserved a, a, a monetary fine, if you deserved jail time, you could be pardoned. And even though you're guilty, they're saying you're no longer uh, having to pay back for what you've done. That's, that's an essence of one of the Hebrew words for forgiveness. And another one, especially when it comes to worship and the tabernacle and temple, it's to atone, it's to, to cover over. Uh, God doesn't just f neglect to see sin. He covers it over. He provides a way that we don't have to, to bear the full, the full weight of it. And that's the essence of forgiveness. But throughout the Old Testament, whenever we look at these words, it never means we're not responsible for what we've done. Uh, when, when God extends forgiveness and, and, uh, and asks his people to extend forgiveness, he's not just saying ignore the person who has sinned is guilty, owes a debt, is responsible. So sin is something that needs to be covered over, washed away, atoned for, removed. Someone needs to bear the burden of it. And this is why you see, this may help. When you look at this, why would God do this sacrificial system where you go to a place and you take the first fruits of your labor. If you are a farmer, you would take the best of your crop. If you raise sheep or animals, you take the best, spotless, sinless, and, and it's burned or it's killed and its blood is let out. Like why those pictures? Because God is trying to graphically remind his people of the weight of our sin and our need for forgiveness. And in those pictures of sacrifice, we actually see a beautiful, a beautiful bit of God's heart of love. Because rather than the human having to hold on to that forever, he's giving a way of wiping, of cleaning, of removing, of, uh, of what's being burnt up or being killed, bearing the weight. Uh, covered over. You are covered, by the way, until you sin again. And that needs to be covered as well. So I'm, I'm, I'm kind of drawing this out because sometimes we only read selections of the Bible, but when you read the sweeping part, especially of the Old Testament, we see on display that God is a forgiving God and forgiveness begins with him. And in order to be forgiven, we must come God's way. And God can provide what we cannot provide for ourselves. And I'll get to the practical application with each point. So let's just deal with this first one in turn. Like, what does this mean for us? Like, okay, as, as Jesus followers, what does forgiveness look like? If God, if forgiveness begins with God, then I'm just gonna read this as a quote. I wanna read it word by word because I don't want you to misunderstand what I'm saying. The heart of forgiveness for the Jesus follower, notice, is my personal act to release the one who sinned against me from my personal right to collect on the moral debt, in other words, to pay them back for, uh, for my offense. Instead of hurting them back, I choose to pardon. And so when we look at um, forgiveness in light of who God is and how he's the author of it, uh, so when someone owes me, hurts me, they owe me a debt. They, they owe me, I, I, I have a claim on that. And in response, to forgive is to say, yes, I have been harmed and you owe me, but like God. Now, I don't do it as good as God. 
I'll admit that. I don't do it as often as God. I don't do it as quickly as God. I don't do it as cleanly as God. God is the ultimate forgiver because there's no impurity in him. So even when I go to forgive someone else, I do have my own false motives I want to deal, I need to deal with. I do have my own biases I need to deal with. But the Christian response is to forgive is to say, yes, they owe me a debt. But in one sense, I'm choosing to, to bear that. I'm saying that they don't have to repay. I am freeing them from what they owe. This is the Christian understanding. There are lots of other cultural understandings of forgiveness, but for us, it's modeled in God. God chooses to forgive Adam and Eve and provides way of escape. He chooses to forgive Israel, his people. He chooses to forgive everyone who comes to him and asks for mercy. And so in the same way, we as God's people, we choose the way of forgiveness. Is this easy? No. Is this popular? No. Um, is this going to be walked out without bumps in the road? No. Uh, but this is the heart of it. All right. That's, that, that's the first thing we do. We release the debt to forgive us to say, I, I release you. And this, again, not, not easy. But that leads to all sorts of questions like, okay, isn't that just wimpy? Isn't that like just overlooking the wrong? What about like justice? Second thing, write it down. Forgiveness includes justice and mercy. Forgiveness begins with God. God's the author of it. But forgiveness, God's forgiveness, and then our forgiveness includes justice and mercy, which means forgiveness never means overlooking the wrong, ignoring the wrong, um, giving an excuse for the wrong. We call evil, evil. But, but forgiveness in God includes justice and mercy. Just, you just look at the early part of the Bible. Last week we talked about Cain and Abel. Remember, Cain kills his brother, right? God warned him he didn't have to. Deal with your anger. Sin's crouching at the door. It's trying to have you. Don't go this path. Well, Cain goes down the path. What happens? God administers justice. Cain is sent away. He's removed from his family. He's, he's, he's banished in one sense. He's, he's given justice. But that justice comes with mercy. You read Genesis 4, 11 through 16, you find out that he also says to the other people, you can't avenge him, you can't kill Cain. There's mercy. His life is going to be spared. So while God does give justice, he also, in his justice, he includes mercy. And I think you say, well, where do you get that justice and mercy and, and God? Boy, you get it all over the place. The most quoted place in the Bible but, uh, in the Bible, by the Bible, is Exodus 34. If you're looking for like what's in the Bible quoted again and again and again and repeated, it's Exodus 34. It's where God gives his name to his people Israel. This might seem like a tangent, but it's not. Why can I forgive? Well, forgiveness begins with God. Why can I forgive even though in my heart I want to see what's wrong righted? I want to see it. I want to see justice. It's because God is both justice and mercy. Exodus 34, we'll start in uh, verse six. Uh, and he passed, that is God, passed in front of Moses proclaiming the Lord, the Lord. This is where he gives his people his name. Yahweh, Yahweh, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin, yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes the children and their children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation. I want us to, just to see 
that God in his revealing of himself to his people shows his character. Why can we forgive? Because forgiveness begins with God. God is the one who initiates forgiveness and provides the path to forgiveness. But more than that, it's not God just throws forgiveness our way. God in himself is both justice and mercy. Notice he describes himself as compassionate and gracious. God is loving. God is faithful. And so we, his people, are, are to lean in on God's character. Remember, we were created in God's image. It doesn't mean we're going to always get this right, but if we, his people, were created in his image, then we're created to be compassionate and gracious and loving and kind, which is great news. God is these things for us, but notice the second part. God does not leave sin unpunished. God's just. God's right. God does the right thing. And now God can do this uniquely in, in giving forgiveness to people. And, and here's the difference. God sees it all. God knows the heart. God knows the thoughts. God knows the future. God knows everything. So when we look at God's forgiveness and God's justice and God's mercy, God will always get it right because there is no shifting, there's no shadow. He lives in ultimate light. There is nothing wrong with God. Our forgiveness is leaning on God's example, but we have to confess sometimes, I don't know what you're thinking. You don't know what I'm thinking. I don't understand your bias. You don't understand my bias. And so we're not always gonna get this right, but we do know this, that God, as he asks us to forgive, it implies justice and mercy because they're both dimensions of God's love. So God is always gonna do what's right. He's not gonna overlook sin. So when we say that we forgive someone, it is not meaning that there doesn't need to be some penalty for what someone has done. And there are some natural outcomes because Cain kills Abel, Cain is removed from the extended family. Yet at the same time, God is rich in mercy and he protects Cain's life. And in one sense, he gives him another chance to be restored, both to God and to his extended family. So when we forgive, we are not saying we overlook, and especially in these days where we're giving the Jesus response in the middle of all this racial tension, in the middle of all this, this you know, fight for fight, in, in the middle of all this noise, what we are saying is come to God. God's the author of forgiveness. And in God, in, in knowing him, we will find full freedom and forgiveness. And as we find full freedom and forgiveness, we can extend forgiveness to other people knowing that God will do what is right and he's better at justice than I am. So when I release someone and when I forgive someone, in a real sense, what I'm saying is, God, I am entrusting them to your care. I am not going to act in a way that I feel is right to get justice for myself. When I forgive you and when you forgive me, you are, you are not absolving that what they did was okay and we don't care about it. What we are saying is, God, your love and justice. You are mercy and you are right. God, I, I give this person into your care. Now, what does this look like uh, for us, okay? If, if, if forgiveness is both justice and mercy, I'm gonna, I'm gonna quote myself here so I don't get it wrong. I also look to myself to see what wrong I may have done in the interaction. 
When we come to the topic of forgiving one another, it implies that I'm going to look within to myself and come before God and say, God, like David the psalmist said, see if there's any wicked way within me. Search me, O God. Look at my heart. Look at my anxious thoughts. God, inspect me. As I'm extending forgiveness or I'm thinking about forgiveness, I am confessing to God that I need to be searched as well. And I may have had something, whether purposefully or subtly, known or unknown, I may have a part to play in this. And so I am not just saying, you need, you need to make things right. I'm also saying, God, search my heart. And then the second dimension I think we need to think about, and this is harder, I pray God's justice and mercy for the offender. To say that forgiveness is about, you know, both justice and mercy, love and forgiveness and what's right is, is to say that, God, I'm, I'm giving them into your care and I'm entrusting you to do what's right. All right, the third and fourth, the third thing, write it down. Forgiveness is possible in and through Jesus Christ. Uh, we looked at the Old Testament words for for forgiveness was have to do with cover, wiping, um, bearing the burden, atoning, you know. But where does this look as we look at the second half of the Bible in the light of Jesus? Colossians 2, 13 and 14, so beautiful. It says, when you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us, he has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. Jesus is the center of the Bible's story. And so when we think about forgiveness, we need to remember it begins with God. It is God's, even in his name, Yahweh, Yahweh, who's full of compassion, slow to anger, uh, slow to anger and abounding in, in love and in faithfulness. It is who God is. And we see it most fully in the life of Jesus. Jesus is full forgiveness. And so I love what Paul does here as he displays what it means to experience forgiveness. We owed legal indebtedness, not only to other people. When you wrong someone, the right thing is that you cover that wrong. You are in debt and we don't deny that. But yet Jesus on the cross fully and most beautifully, he pays for our legal indebtedness so that even though you and I are responsible ultimately to God for what we've done and to other people, yes, but ultimately to God, Jesus provides the way not only for us to be free for our indebtedness, we are a forgiven people. If you are in Jesus, you are fully forgiven. Now, hear me, you may not forgive yourself yet. I think we, just because of our human nature, and our, our fallen human nature, our sinful human nature, struggle with experiencing forgiveness. And you need to know this, Colossians 2 is for you. Having canceled the charge of your legal indebtedness, which stood against you and condemned you, Jesus took it away, nailing it to the cross. And so the Christian message, oh, the good news, is, is not that we found a way to make things right, it's that we're broken and we're in debt. And God in his love sent his son. And because of the cross and because of the resurrection, absolute real forgiveness is yours in Christ. No matter what we've done, as far as the east is from the west, so far he removes our sin from us. 
Hebrews 9, our evil deeds, he will remember no more. I mean, this is, this is the essence of the good news, that freedom is found in and through Jesus. Now, it's something we need to receive. This is, we need to be really careful here. It's not automatic. Jesus died on the cross and rose again. Is everyone free? Is everyone saved? Absolutely not. All throughout the Bible, we see that to receive God's forgiveness, we come to him and we ask for it. We, we need to respond and receive grace and receive mercy. You see it in the sacrificial system. It comes and you are forgiven as you come guilty, bringing your offering to God. He, in his mercy, provides forgiveness. And so in the same way, it's not until we put our faith in what Jesus has done for us that we receive that full forgiveness. But here's the beautiful thing. What does this have to do with us? Because Jesus is not only our savior, he's also our model, this extends to the way we think about other people when it comes to forgiveness. I wanna read a bit of a long quote uh, from a scholar writing about uh, the Bible and the word forgiveness. And we'll just put this on the screen so you could read this. It says, in scripture, forgiveness occurs whenever humans who have violated God's will cry out for and receive his mercy. It's different from mercy itself, which is God's staying hand of deserved punishment. In other words, he has mercy to some extent on all people but not all people are forgiven in a full and saving sense. Forgiveness begins with the acknowledgement of one's guilt, 1 John 1 and 9, in God's eyes. It's completed when the offender is restored to full fellowship with God, experiencing his healing love and with other people to the extent that this is possible. Uh, so so Forgiveness is there, right? It's possible, but it's not until we come to God and we ask it. So God's mercy is given in our response, in faith and trust in Jesus, and then forgiveness is ours. And in the same way, that, begins our, that, that guides our pattern. So what do we do? If forgiveness is found fully in and through Jesus, quote, I can be released from personal bitterness and resentment because I trust God to work justice. That's our response. In light of the Bible, I think well summarized in this quote on forgiveness, I, I, can, I can release myself from personal bitterness. I cannot be resentful. Why? Because I choose to trust God and his judgment. So when we're forgiving, we're not saying it's okay, but we are saying in and through Jesus because Jesus is the one who can forgive us. Now we can be extensions of grace and we can choose to forgive other people. And while I feel bitterness towards them, I don't have to act bitterly towards them. And I can come to God for grace and mercy to deal with my emotions, which will flare up again and again and again. So when you, when you offer forgiveness to someone, that does not mean, hear me, it does not mean those feelings won't return from time to time. And when you see that person or you see a photo or a video or something comes up or a conversation and suddenly your mind flashes back to that moment and say, oh man, but I forgave them. Yes, you did forgive them. It doesn't mean we won't remember. Now God remembers our sin no more. It doesn't mean he has like amnesia. It means he doesn't hold us to it anymore. The penalty, he says, no, I covered that in the cross. And so in the same way, 
And at least in a similar way, when we're dealing with people who have harmed us and hurt us, we can say, God, I trust and trust them to you. I entrust them to your justice and I trust them to your mercy. I am not going to live resentful against, against them anymore. Why? Because I've received full pardon and love in Jesus Christ. All right, the fourth one, and we'll, uh, we'll respond in worship to Jesus. Write this down. We are called to follow in God's pattern of forgiveness. I've already mentioned it, but let's just put it down. So when we're thinking through in our own world, what we do and how we respond, we're called as Jesus' people to respond in his pattern, in his way. So Jesus is our savior and he's our model and he's the, the one who shows us how we're to forgive. And he's, it's gonna come up in just a few weeks, Matthew 6, 9 through 12. Well, let me just read it. Then, G, then Jesus said, this is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. Notice God's pattern. Jesus gives us, this is how we communicate with God. This is how we stay in relationship with God. Father, I want what you want. Our Father in heaven, greatest, greatest. God, I want what you want. God, I'm looking to you for all that I need. Give me today my daily bread. Whatever I need, it comes for you. And then it's extended to forgiveness. God, I forgive as I have been forgiven. And this is how ongoing relationship with God. If, if we're to follow in the pattern of Jesus, we're, we're called to extend forgiveness. Now, this is, this is a beautiful and a challenging reality. And there's a connection between receiving God's forgiveness and extending God's forgiveness. And I think sometimes we're just so caught in the cycle of hurt that we forget as Jesus's people, we actually are empowered to forgive. Our father, he, he's our father. I'm no longer a, a child of my own. I'm no longer a child of the enemy. I belong to Jesus Christ. And God is my father. Uh, I want what you want. God, deal with my desires. God, I come to you with all that I need. Bread, of course. Money, of course. But also a willingness to forgive. God, I forgive as I have been forgiven. This is the way of Jesus. And so Paul can put it in uh, Colossians 3 to the church, starting in verse 12. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, Clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive, notice, as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity." Uh, this isn't easy, but this is the way of Jesus. We forgive because God has chosen to forgive us. And this isn't just true of the church because there are gonna be some times when people are gonna hurt us and not care. What do we do about that? Like, what do I do about the person? It's one thing if I'm in the church and man, I hurt you or you hurt me and we love one another, we love Jesus Christ, but what about the person who doesn't give a rip of what they're doing? And then I have, they, have no, they have no desire to make things right, no desire to reconcile. They're a wounded person and they're happy to wound you and move on to somebody else. What do we do about that? We're still called to forgive. And this is, this is painful, but this is the way of Jesus. 
Just because someone else is withholding, admitting the guilt, extending reconciliation back, whether they care or they don't care, uh, the Jesus response is to forgive. Anyway, a helpful quote from uh, Everett Worthington, that book that I reference also, because I find this one, that this is the hard one to even think about, but this is the way of Jesus. Quote, Jesus did not require repentance before forgiving. He prayed from the cross, Father, forgive them for they know not what they are doing. He forgave the paralytic without being asked. So if I am to be like Jesus, then I should offer forgiveness freely. God can know people's motives. Humans can, cannot. So God can look into our hearts and require repentance. I cannot look into another person's heart and know his or her true motives. I can't even know my own motives. So interpersonal forgiveness, forgiveness one to another, throughout scripture does not require repentance of the offender. What does that mean for us? I forgive because I've been forgiven and I'm commanded to be like God in my forgiving. That may be a tough pill to swallow. I want you to think about that for a bit. I want you to read scripture about that, that, uh, that for a bit. I want you to talk to some other Jesus followers uh, for a bit. But the fact is, uh, Jesus extends forgiveness to people before they ever come to him. He says to the paralytic, you're free. Your sins are forgiven you. And so while we want people to own up for what they have done, and I hope they would, trust me, I hope they would, even if they don't, we don't know the heart. We don't know the soul. We don't know their mind. God does. So I release them in forgiveness and say, God, I leave them to you. I don't want evil against them. You're the God of justice and mercy. And I pray both for them, both justice, that they will do what's right, but also mercy. You know them, Lord. I pray that you will come close to them and they will follow you. All right, this has been a this has been a long one, but a needed one. And it's only the first half of the two parts of, of where we move in light of Jesus. We learn to forgive and then we're called to reconcile. So next week we wanna pick up on what do we do with these fractured relationships? Uh, how do we make steps that are gonna bring us closer together? Or what do we do in circumstances where the person just does not want to listen? We, we leave with the words of Jesus who said, First, go and be reconciled to them, then come and offer your gift. Let me just ask you as we move towards worship, as we think about the bread and the cup, who do you need to extend forgiveness to? Let's land there. Let's let God deal with us, right? We'll deal with the relationships in the future and next week in our teaching, but let's, let's end there. Who do you need to extend forgiveness to? Is that person yourself? In light of all that Jesus has done, do you need to allow Jesus's love to even heal your own wounds? I pray that you would do that. But maybe it's somebody else. Maybe you're still holding on, repeatedly holding on. I pray that by God's grace, because he is the God of love and compassion, he's rich in mercy, that he would come and enable you even now to release that person to his loving care and trust that God will do what is right. But as for yourself, don't hold on. Don't let bitterness keep you in a jail cell. Allow God to give you even the power to forgive. Let's pray because we need to come to Jesus and ask him to bring healing. Lord, you know the heart. 
You know my heart. You know the people that I find hard to let go of. Lord, will you empower me by, by the enabling presence of your Holy Spirit to release them to you? And Lord, will you even enable me to receive your love and your mercy and forgiveness? God, we pray that as a church, we will be a people who are quick to receive your love and care and forgiveness and who learn as hard and challenging as it is to forgive those who've offended us. God, restore relationships. God, make us whole. God, do what we cannot do. Reshape our heart. Give us the power to forgive and let go. In Jesus' name, amen.